It's April the 3rd, 2020. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Today's guests are Worcester City Clerk, Nicolene Vangeli, Worcester School Committee member and celebrity COVID-19 sufferer, Tracy Novick, the fan favorite, <laughs> Brendan Malikin, and me, the one you love to hate, Mike Benedetti. We will hear from Nico in a few minutes, but first, hello to Tracy and to Brendan. Hey, how's it going? Tracy, happy birthday. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I didn't even realize it was your birth. Happy birthday, Tracy. Thank you. The news in Worcester this week is just this virus. The Telegram and Gazette reports that we have 212 city residents testing positive as of last night. So I won't sum up the news. I'll just read a few Telegram and Gazette headlines. Beaumont Nursing Home confirms COVID-19 cases, says it will test residents who were moved. This is a nursing home that they wanted to turn into a COVID-19 specific place And then they realized, oh, wait, we already have people here who have COVID-19. Maybe this is going to be more complicated than we thought. Another headline is three dead and 16 positive for COVID-19 at Jewish Healthcare Center in Worcester. And pandemic puts brakes on polar parks slash Worcester Public Library construction. Also this week, we've seen something happen that I never thought would happen, which is that the bus is free, uh, at least for the time being, for anybody who wants to take the bus. Yeah, I don't know what else is going on this week. I volunteered a little bit at my neighborhood food pantry for the first time in a long time this week. And I was surprised at the uh, lack of people who are coming in to get food. I don't know when the economic shock of all of this really hits people who are lower on the socioeconomic ladder. But I think the answer is that it wasn't this week. Yeah, that's, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because I noticed uh, nationally there's been some pretty significant stories about the overwhelming lines and rushes to various food pantries and, and whatnot. I'm curious to see how that plays out in a general timeline here in Massachusetts because, I mean, arguably we're a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of shutting down what we consider non-essential businesses, unemployment numbers and whatnot. You would think that we would be already seeing that, that sort of demand. I was told that the other food pantry in our neighborhood is closed for the time being, for whatever reason. I was also told that there are some um, sort of housebound people who have been having trouble with food because of some change that the food bank made, which I don't know anything about this. I haven't gotten a straight answer on this. I do sort of wonder if at some point all those people realize, oh, there's this other food up there, and that next week we wake up and we have a line down the block of people uh, waiting or whether, you know, other relief efforts are doing okay. And uh, at least people in the city of Worcester are not hitting a straight up crisis at this point. Sure. Um, I I would just like to point out Um, as an aside that uh, both you and I are, you right now are touching our faces and uh, people are going to see this and uh, they're going to judge us heavily for that. Like you actually have your hand on your head right now and, uh, and you will be judged. Tracy, how are you feeling? Yes. Are you sick? Um, I feel a little bit better yeah. today. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate the, the intro, but I'm in the um, haven't been tested because there just aren't that many tests. Assume you have it and act like you have it sort of category. Yeah. So, I mean, about a week ago, I called my doctor and I was like, okay, so here's what I have. And they were like, yep, don't go anywhere. Take Tylenol. If it gets worse, give us a call. And I was like, Okay. So, I mean, it ends up being this sort of very weird place to be in because, like, there's a pandemic and clearly, like, people are having just, you know, people are dying and people are having incredible kinds of reactions. But then you're home and, I mean, if you ask me, it's sort of, I feel, yeah, crummy and achy and tired and, um, but it it feels like a 
separate thing from what everybody else is doing just because it's not the same level of, at least so far, not what it will say that way, um, the kind of experience that, that we know some people are having. Hmm. Do you yeah. have any regrets is, is, about not being an NBA player at this point? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then of course there, are, like, and then there, there was new stuff today about like, um, you know, false negatives, and like, you, and then the other thing that I always think is like they could test you today, but then like, what if it comes back? What if you were positive three days later? Like, sure, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Is are are you isolating yourself from the uh, rest of the people in your house? There's not enough room in my house to isolate. I mean, okay. I, I, I've always also always been one of those mothers. It's like you, we like it, it was because it was funny when we we first had the thing of um, the diocese came out like you need to stop doing the handshake for the passing of the peace. And I was like, mm-hmm. God, like my kids were like, oh, no. And I'm like, guys, you really think there are germs that you have that I don't or vice versa? Like, seriously, we, <laughs> we live in a big space. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the wrong attitude. It is entirely possible. Um, but, yeah, um, in terms I haven't left the house aside from going outside the house um, in, uh, gosh, two weeks, something like that. So, yeah. You know, you know, speaking of the Diocese of Worcester, I was surprised this morning to get a phone call asking me to be a, a lector at an Easter morning mass. And uh, my understanding is that a lot of parishes are having a mass on Easter and they're doing it kind of like the mass that the Pope does online, or it's like the Pope and four other people, and they record it and they put it out into the world, but it's just sort of the bare minimum number of people to be able to physically make the mass happen. Yeah, I know that's what the um, the cathedral is doing for these gatherings, too. So, I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'll be at Easter morning mass, which is not something that I thought I would do, and it may be something which is incredibly stupid and irresponsible. I guess history will... History, if you want to judge me, I'm certainly opening myself up to your judgment. Uh, Tracy, are we ever going to have school again? If I can ask you to take off your invalid hat for a moment and put your school committee member hat on, are we ever going to have school again? Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny. It it was three weeks today that the superintendent called off school and then a three weeks Sunday where the governor made the initial call for the state. Feels like it's been forever, doesn't it? I think that there are a lot of people who are very quietly, and actually the superintendent even said it in the meeting last night, it was waiting for that to make headlines, thinking that this is probably it for the year. Obviously, there hasn't been an official call on that yet. There definitely are states that already have made those calls, although most of those states are ones that usually get out in May rather than June, like Massachusetts does. It would not surprise me if we have had our last regular day of school already. And so does this semester count? as a semester for kids or does it count as half a semester or how does that work out? This has been a sort of hotly debated thing because we were in Worcester and like a lot of other places, the third quarter closed, I think yesterday or today, I think the grades have to be in for today. So it closes like this last week of March, first week of April. So we still had a couple of weeks left in third quarter. So I know what Worcester did and I think a lot of other districts did too is they basically said, okay, our last day of school, like regular school was the last day of the third quarter where work counts. I know that there were some teachers who were like, look, if you had stuff that was late, you still want to turn it in. If you can do it electronically, we'll take it. But basically, grades kind of closed then. And then we had a conversation last night in Worcester about like, okay, so what happens with those? And the general sense of the district has been that there was enough work there that they could offer numerical grades for the third quarter. And then the real question then becomes fourth quarter. And, 
you know, someone who taught high school and knows that they're very possibly are seniors out there who are sort of dancing on the ragged edge of whether or not they're going to actually pull this off. Um, yeah. That was some of the conversation last night. And then you get into things like, you know, what about the kids who we were questioning whether or not they should go on to the next grade? And I think there's going to be a lot, like a lot of those conversations are going to have to be sorted out kind of everywhere. So one thing that was guidance from the state was that we need as educators to be defaulting on essentially on the side of the kid that we should be assuming that this is affecting kids in a lot of different ways and if we have to make a judgment call we should make the judgment call and default for the kid whether it's you know having them succeed having them go into the next grade having them pass having whatever I think Worcester's probably going to go past, I think a lot of places are probably going to go past fail for high school and for elementary school, the guidance is actually just that you give feedback to students and don't actually give them grades at all. Okay. Okay. Tracy, uh, is there uh, anything happening in Worcester from a, like a remote learning perspective? It's really um, varied. So the, the short answer is that the district is still in negotiations with the teachers union over what this is going to look like. So it, for those who may have tuned in last night, we had a lengthy executive session around um, union negotiations. There've been a couple of documents circula- circulating back and forth. It looks like we were close to an agreement with the union at the beginning of the week and then a couple of things sort of fell apart. So that kind of districts have handled it different ways. Some places sort of sort of had a conversation and that was enough and they rolled forward. Um, Worcester was looking for something in writing. So that's still kind of being played out. Uh, uh, in the meantime, though, there definitely have been a lot of teachers that have been doing all kinds of things. I mean, the secondary students, by and large, the the district tends to run on a Google Classroom platform. Right. Um, there definitely are equity issues in terms of how much access students have at home. But I know that a lot of secondary students have been having, you know, conversations and meetings and assignments and different kinds of things through that. And then elementary, I mean, there were packets that went out to everybody that first week. But then the a level of contact has kind of varied by elementary. I know a lot of teachers have actually really tried to push to get in touch with their families. And their level of success, I think, has probably varied, again, based on things like family access. And then there's been a concerted effort in terms of special education students and English language learner students at sort of the district level to try to make get in touch with those families. So it's uneven is the short answer. Okay. There's been stuff. It's uneven. Do you have any sense, and I don't want to put you on the spot with this, I know this is kind of a heady question, but is this like one of those times where our normal uh, sort of appreciation for bureaucracy and the way it just kind of functions and and has things moving quickly falls apart (laughs) and you need people more capable of just like in a Churchill fashion step in and say, okay, look, this is how we're getting things done and this is how we're moving forward. Right. No, that's actually, uh, you know, I've had a couple of conversations both sort of professionally, because of course, you know, I deal with school districts all the time and, and also locally of like, this is really when leadership outs. And in terms of like, what are your priorities? What are you trying to get done first? What do you emphasize? All of that kind of thing. And, and this didn't surprise me, but like, you know, it's Worcester immediately shifted into, okay, we've got, you know, we usually feed something like 18,000 kids every day. 
Right. How are we going to get food out to those kids? That's the first priority. Sure. Um, and I mean, some of you may have seen the interview with our, our nutrition director, Donna Lombardi, earlier this week. Like, she's a trooper. She gets it. Like, we shifted over. That's that's priority one. I mean, same thing on the facility side of, you know, Jim Bedard and facilities and, like, how do we actually clean buildings and shut down buildings and all that kind of stuff. But, I would just yeah, like I mean, to interject to that. Thank God for Jimmy Cash and the ability to simultaneously take stand-up comedy combined with uh, facilities cleaning and whatnot, and some of the best entertainment available in the city of Worcester right now <laughs> is, in fact, one of Worcester's best elementary school janitors who just happens to be a stand-up comedian making the most of this time. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to find out what I'm talking about because it's really, really rad. But yeah, I apologize for interrupting. <laughs> No, and I mean, and actually, that's the other thing is that, like, there have been these, like, great videos. I mean, certainly there have been the ones that the teachers have been doing of, like, we miss our students and that kind of stuff. But they're also, I mean, like, the Herald News in Fall River went out and, like, like basically followed around a custodian who was doing sanitizing at one of the school buildings with these sanitizing guns they have now, which I find highly entertaining. And, like, that was, like, one of the things they posted online. So. There is this sort of people who don't usually get a lot of attention are sort of, you know, shining because they do what is quite literally vital work in terms of it actually being like life preserving. Yeah, no. And it's 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 I, I only ask from the perspective of an educator and folks in education, because I think it's it's an easy one to sort of grasp some of the challenges there. But you're actually seeing the same thing happening in healthcare, right? Like if you talk to a physician, if you have any in your universe, you're probably going to find a frustration with many physicians that they're being instructed uh, not to wear their PPE in non-patient areas by their administrators. And in normal times, that's the way it's supposed to be. You, you strip your PPE when you leave your patient's bedside. But we're in non-normal times and an entire hospital could be viewed as essentially a quarantine area. But like the, the bureaucrats, and I'm not using that term as a pejorative, I'm just saying it, it because it's the right word. The bureaucrats that make those decisions and put them in writing, they don't change their, their, their guidelines until someone above them says, hey, we need to change this. And we're in one of those weird times where you know, that isn't happening quick enough. So you're still having physicians being chased down the hall because they're wearing the one N95 mask that they have because they're in a non-patient area by a bureaucrat who doesn't realize they're not wearing an N95 mask. Mm -hmm. And now they're likely infected by the the virus that the doctor is trying to protect themselves from. And I'm just I'm really fascinated. And I hope this is something that one, if anything, we take away long term as a society that. Yes, on a normal Tuesday, we can totally let administrators and bureaucrats run the show. That's probably how it's supposed to be. But we need to psychologically have this switch that we can flip. So when things get weird, uh, we allow actual leaders to step in and take over and maybe even fall, you know, fall, fall on, on their own sword if necessary. But at least give them the opportunity to make rash decisions and hoping for the best outcomes for as many people as possible. Well, right. Or how do you preserve that way of thinking in bureaucrats? Because I know that some of the conversations that I've had both in Worcester and in the state have been sort of people who are pushing, who are within those structures, who are sort of pushing to say, okay, but we need to understand, like, stuff has substantially changed. Here, Here are what our priorities need to be right now, and how do we make sure that's what's actually happening? So I think I've seen some successful examples of that, and I there definitely have been places where that's just not happening yeah i mean and, and just from a, a like a logical perspective 
let's assume that Dr. Fauci is not lying to us. And at this point, we're 14 months away from a, a, a widely available uh, vaccination. Uh, that means even if we do go, even if we able, are able to finish off the school year this year, which we're not, but let's just play devil's advocate and say that people aren't like lying to us in, in a polite way and trying to keep people calm. Um, you're still going to figure out things like social distancing. So you're essentially going to have to double the square footage of every school that we have in the state just to keep people a, a safe distance from each other for the next 14 months. So even in a classroom setting, like everything changes, um, yeah. everything changes from a facilities perspective. And I just I wish I was seeing more people to, uh, just be able to step up and, and realize that, like, there's some really difficult decisions that need to be made. And to your earlier point, equity is obviously a huge issue, but it's always the issue. So now is the time where, like, mm -hmm. folks need to step in and say, hey, if the majority of kids are at home uh, and ready to go and wish that their teacher would reach out in some form, or, you know, whatever capa capabilities that is, is now the time to allow that to happen, even though there's probably going to be a mountain of lawsuits stacked up uh, when this is over. Like it's worth dealing with that because there are a lot of young people who are seeking to be engaged in some form. Mm -hmm. Right. I wanted to just talk about two quick statistical things. The first is that, again, according to the Telegram and Gazette, we've had uh, a police officer test positive for the coronavirus. We've had uh, a couple of firefighters test positive. We had a couple of people who are staying in one of these cities' temporary homeless shelters who have tested positive. And I guess that they have been moved to one of the backup shelters. I think the original <laughs> idea here was that they would have four facilities like two churches and two high schools, and they would have 25 or 30 people staying at two of them. And then the third one would be for people who got who suddenly started showing symptoms. And then the fourth one would be for people who are actually testing positive. So that there would be a place for people to, to be without increasingly infecting everybody else. I had not actually heard of any other, any homeless people in the city being sick with this kind of stuff at all until today or the day before. So that is I think, another worrying thing. I mean, I, I don't know. There's no non-worrying things here. So I should not speak in such portentous terms of like, oh, this concerns me. This all concerns me. <laughs> it's, it's amazing though, Mike, that one of the things that I, I think is going to long-term be a problem, not just in Worcester, but I think nationally from what I can gather, and I'm totally quarterbacking here without even an armchair. The, the problem I think is that we don't really seem to have a, a system for uh, investigative contact tracing for infectious disease on the front end of things. Like we're really good with an epidemiology system that uh, is allowed to, to track back where people may have been exposed after the fact. But we don't really, we saw this in, in both Singapore and South Korea, where as soon as somebody was known to be infected or test positive, we, they had researchers that were then charged with going back to every place or person that person may have come in contact with in the, you know, the weeks prior. So you're able to paint a much broader picture of uh, what kind of issues you'd be looking at short term and long term. Mention the homeless population in particular up at these shelters is, is worrying that we're not even doing this on a, on a small scale. Because I, I, I think that if you took your average person who is being respectful of social distancing and staying at home when possible, uh, you can at least begin to account for people's whereabouts, right? Like it's probably going to be home and then the supermarket or home and, you know, whatever the case may be. It's a, it's a limited number of places. If you're still looking at a homeless population that is somewhat migrant, even on a small level, uh, moving around the city, who's actually accounting for where people are going and who they're coming in contact with in a way that could be problematic 
weeks from now at all of these shelters. Yeah, yeah. And again, I also have not heard, in asking people, oh, have you heard of anybody getting sick? Nobody has said, no, but because I was at such and such a place, such and such a church on such and such a morning, these public health people have been harassing me to try to figure out if I'm sick or not. Like, I haven't heard of any, I'm sure that they're following up like they're supposed to be, but I certainly have not heard heard of this following up. Yeah, and I haven't heard in a couple of weeks. I know that was happening initially when a bunch of the first batch of you know like when the when the initial biogen stuff was coming out when some of the other sort of spots of norwood and framingham and so forth came out like i was hearing some of that but i have i certainly haven't heard in a while and it was that was actually what i was getting at because that's one area that i got at least a little bit of anecdotal personal experience you know my wife uh the campus she works at uh for work apparently there were folks not in her building but on her campus that were at that biogen conference and uh were presumed positive but it was there were, as far as I know, there was never actually a formal message put out uh, by anyone saying, hey, heads up. This actually happened in the past. Keep an, an eye on your own symptoms. It was just a general sort of uh, the same message that the entire public got, which was, you know, these are the symptoms you want to be looking out for. So I, I could be completely wrong when it comes to the kind of investigative work that we are doing on that front. It's just I haven't seen personally any example of. Uh, real contact tracing on a large scale, which seems to be, maybe it's too late for that now, but going back two or three weeks, it seems like that would have been of the utmost importance. How many people are wandering around like me who, I mean, when I called, they said, are you a first responder? And I said, no. Is anyone in your family, in your immediate family, uh, immunocompromised? No. And they said, well, then you're not going to get a test. So how, how we, th- those aren't even positives. I mean, I always feel silly when the city manager comes out and does his announcement every day and says, here's how many positives we have. And he's always been really good about it and saying, we know that this is only the ones we've tested. We know that there are plenty of other ones out there. But by the same token, and that doesn't even get into the people who are asymptomatic and positive, right? Right. We know that there's a bunch of that too. Yeah. Again, I I don't want to quarterback anything because I really believe that, especially at a local level, our leaders are doing everything they can and should be doing to deal with this. But I, I also simultaneously feel that the tool sets are, are not designed. Uh, the tool sets that we've been working with for years are just not designed for what we're seeing. And it's, it's I, I, maybe I'm the only person with that uh, perspective, but it, it seems like, again, like the way the city manager comes out with the list of positives that we have, yeah, it, it, it almost would appear to be a completely irrelevant statistic at this point in time. It's important that somebody's keeping track of those numbers, but until there's universal testing where every single one of us can, uh, you know, drive through uh, the Dunkin' Donuts drive through and get swabbed while we're picking up our coffee, there is, uh, it's almost a completely irrelevant number in the same way that, I think I said this on an earlier show, you know, it's it, the way we talk about <laughs> symptoms and whatnot. It's mostly irrelevant, right? It's, if, if, if we're still describing things in terms of mild symptoms being the majority of people, and, and Tracy, you clearly would fall into that category of what we're calling mild symptoms, but we don't go the step further and point out that, like, the next level, critical, is organ failure, uh, and then severe is being on a ventilator. So, like, mild has this huge, uh, it's, it's this huge set of bookends that goes everything from being asymptomatic uh, to uh, coughing bloody sputum, but not being an organ failure. And it's like, and, you know, when you hear uh, medical professionals using that language like mild, it's the right words to use, but only if you're talking to a conference room full of other medical professionals who actually understand what you're discussing. Otherwise, the general public is hearing something that I don't think resonates the way it should and probably explains why, at least here in Worcester, it seemed like 
even though the, uh, the, 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 the sort of stay at home if you can orders were early, they weren't widely uh, accepted, it seemed. It, even now, I'm looking out over Highland Street. There's a fair number of cars still driving around and it's raining. There's a fair number of people walking around. It's that, that messaging is difficult to penetrate unless you're using language people truly understand. And now we will welcome Nicolin Vangeli. Nico, it's great to have you on the show. You are the newly minted city clerk, and you're in charge of the administrative aspects of the vital records, city council meetings, elections, things like that. Is that right? That's right. And thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be on. Because of the coronavirus, uh, all the city council meetings are having happening remotely, right? That's correct. So basically, uh, as I think we started a few weeks ago, we had our first meeting um, just two weeks ago, and everything is happening via WebEx. All the boards and commissions are also being kind of hosted via WebEx. School committee is also transformed to uh, the online uh, software as well. So it's been an interesting time for these past two weeks, kind of, uh, you know, getting everyone kind of used to the technology as well as uh, kind of working out any of the issues that we might have. But uh, so far, it's gone pretty well. I've watched some of the city council meetings online, and it's definitely a strange experience. I don't know how I could describe it more than that, but it's it's not what I'm used to seeing. No, it's it's a little different, but I think, you know, our cable services team, as well as, you know, the city manager folks who are in charge of setting up those WebEx uh, meetings, they've been doing a phenomenal job to make sure that we're still providing transparency and access to all our our public meetings. So Something I should ask about, is there still public comment section to the city council meetings? There is. So basically, when we open up the uh, city council meetings, the mayor, or if it's a committee meeting, the, the chairman of the committee or chairwoman uh, will probably, you know, before they start with the agenda, they'll approve the minutes and then they'll open up for uh, public participation, which usually happens, you know, right after they approve the minutes. So basically, uh, we have, uh, depending on which chamber you're meeting, um, we have a phone number that people can dial in, which is the WebEx phone number, as well as an access code. And uh, you can listen to the meeting, as well as during public participation, you have an opportunity to uh, testify. And that's what's been happening for the past few meetings. And we've had actually a few people uh, that called us. These days, City Hall is close to the public, right? That's right. Are you all working out of City Hall, or are you all working remotely? Those of you um, who are still so, working. You know, some of the responsibilities in the clerk's office do require us to come in. Uh, you know, I try to have a lot of my staff kind of work remotely, but we're staggering, so we'll have a few people come in, and then a few people work remotely. And we kind of rotate, you know, because the mail still comes in. We're still having internet orders, well as for uh, births or uh, any other vital record. Um, we just mailed our dog notices. So there's stuff that uh, kind of, you know, you have to come in for, unfortunately. But uh, we're trying to do the best we can to kind of limit the exposure of our staff with uh, COVID-19. Are there city services that are not available at the moment because of that? No, I think everything that we try, we do out of the clerk's office will now have gone to either, you know, ordering online, which you have the capability, or through the mail. So if you write a check to the city of Worcester, we'll provide you the birth certificate once we get the request. We're trying to get the mail out as you know as fast as we can. Usually, if the if something comes in the mail on Monday, it's usually out on Tuesday. The latest. We're trying to keep up with it so people, you know, I know it's it's a difficult time. People need their birth certificates, especially if they're applying for unemployment uh, insurance. Um, businesses, if they're looking for loans, also need the business certificates. So we're trying to do the best we can to kind of accommodate folks uh, and try to get the information that they're requiring. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions that people asked me to ask you. You talked about making improvements to how the city council agenda is done and how we can better comply with open meeting law. 
are those kind of changes on hold at the moment, or are they going to be moving forward in the coming months? I think we're going to continue to kind of work with our technical service staff to kind of redesign how we put our agendas out there. Um, I think I've mentioned on my cover letter as well as resume, I want to kind of bring technology to the city council uh, chambers. That's still going to uh, kind of, you know, be in the process of being developed. I don't know if it's going to be happening all together in the next, you know, one month or so, but uh, we're still going to kind of push ahead. I think I'm working with AJ, who's the deputy city clerk. He's going to kind of work alongside me to make sure that we're fully, you know, uh, kind of promise, kind of keeping that promise that I made during my uh, interview process. I'm looking forward to that happening. Um, You know, I don't spend a lot of time looking at the old city council uh, meetings and the old city council agendas. But sometimes when I want to try to figure out what happened, I can usually figure out what the council decided or what happened. But sometimes it kind of takes a lot of a little bit of detective work and reading between the lines. Things are not always right. um, yeah, things are not always documented at like a super granular level, at least as far as what you can get a hold of online. Yeah, I think one of the priorities we have, especially um, with the minutes after the meetings, uh, we're trying to you know trying to redesign the way we we publish our stuff as well as you know provide you the minutes. Uh, Based on the, the meeting that you know, based on what occurred, we'll uh, we'll try to have that. You know, so hopefully, when, when everything is back up and running, then we're fully uh, at that capability. Do we have a sense of how the pandemic will affect the mechanics of the November election? Um, at this point, you know, uh, nothing is uh, being moved in terms of deadlines, especially when it comes to the local uh, state reps or you know the local senators here. All the deadlines, everybody's turning in their papers, so we'll start certifying. I think our first election is September 1st, what's going to be the state primary, and then November. So at this point, I don't foresee any changes, you know. Brendan Milliken asked me to ask you, and he asked me to drop his name when I asked you, uh, are we prepared in case the November election is postponed? I think we are. We usually, when it comes to election operations, uh, we kind of uh, work with the Secretary of State because he is the chief uh, election official for the state, and we usually await his guidance. At this point, I've been in contact with them for the past few weeks, you know, regarding deadlines and some of the procedures. We're trying to make sure that we kind of continue even with COVID-19. And uh, I think he will have a plan in case we do get to that level. Some of the other things, I think what right now is the focus of the secretary and some of the election officials is uh, trying to push some of these elections, local elections that some of the cities and towns would have in the next few weeks. But I don't foresee at this point that, uh, you know, we're going to have to worry about November. But if it does come to that, uh, you know, uh, the secretary will probably have a plan. And we also have the capability of doing mail-in voting. Are we ready if we have to do mail-in voting? Do we have, can we print that many ballots and send that many ballots out or whatever it would take? Um, You know, it's no different than early voting or absentee voting. You know, the Secretary of State is the one who designs and prints the ballots. It's just a matter of, you know, here locally in Worcester, putting them all together and making sure the people get the right ballots uh, in the mail. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the city's response to the virus? Uh, well, at this time, you know, uh, we're still hosting meetings. We want to make sure that, you know, kind of the wheels of government are still moving. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll kind of kind of get over the crisis and uh, everybody hopefully remains healthy and we'll, you know, we'll go back to normal as, as life was a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. God willing. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show. Keep up the good work. Oh, my pleasure. And good talking to you. In yeah, commodity news, Brent where... crude oil is $34 a barrel, <laughs> up 40% on the week and down 50% on the year. It's up 40% on, it's really up 40% on the week because it's up today because uh, today it was announced that probably the Saudis and the Russians are going to stop 
whacking us with low oil prices. I know I, I fear to find out what we are giving the Saudis and the Russians uh, in exchange for them to stop messing with us. So ventilators um, and N95 masks. Yes, but at least for <laughs> at least for Brent crude oil fans, it's a great it's a great day. Um, Bitcoin is sixty nine hundred dollars, up five percent on the week and up thirty seven percent on the year. And Here's some good news. As of February, the most recent month for which numbers are available, the producer price index for construction sand, gravel, and crushed stone was crushing it. It was $360.60 unchanged on the month and up 5% on the year. Presumably this month it will crater, but we don't we don't have to acknowledge that yet because we don't have those statistics from the Fed yet. Information yeah. you anything can't else, get Brendan anywhere or, else. Anything else, Brendan or Tracy? I mean, I think I, I will say that, that to your point around the homeless population, I think that one thing that's been really encouraging locally has been how important that was to the city. And, you know, I, that hasn't been true lots of other places. So that's, that's, you know, definitely, hey, good job, Lister. That's partly because it easily can become a larger public health crisis. But I also think that sort of trying to figure out who is most vulnerable and how you take care of them first was, was a good move. It is interesting to me that in some places that was um, not easily acceptable. I know that I heard about sort of inter-agency squabbling in some places of like, well, you can't have our school or we're going to have to do something else or that kind of stuff. Um and that wasn't the case here, obviously. Yeah, I, you know, and I, yeah, I, I can't yeah. be clear enough that I, I'm not knocking anybody in the way they're handling anything, especially here in Worcester. It just, it's one of those uh, things that I guess I have the luxury of, and, and plenty of time on my hands these days, of, of looking at things from a, a rather grim 30,000-foot view and, and only barely knowing enough about any given system to be dangerous, probably more to myself than anyone else. And it's a... Uh, yeah, it's again, I just I can't help but shake this feeling that, man, if only we had a couple more people buried uh, in the closets or whatnot, who were just who truly were that sort of leadership personality that were just uh, waiting for an opportunity like this to burst out and, and do their thing. I, I, last time we did a show, Mike, I think I made mention just generally speaking that to all of my friends in government, like this is why you're there, right? Like you're not actually there for those moments in time where everything is great. And the biggest thing we have to complain about is street sweeping. Like you're there for like the moments like right now when most of us can't actually handle the things that we need handled on our own. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. No, and I mean, obviously, our uh, my little purview is not on that. We're saving people's lives basis, but we immediately, as soon as that call went out, we immediately got hit with how do you have how do you post an emergency meeting? How do we switch to remote meetings? How are we going to evaluate the superintendent? Oh my goodness, we were trying to hire a superintendent, and now we can't get together. Like, you know, and all of that sort of like, okay, local government has to shift gears. How do we do that smoothly? Because we actually need to be able to still like figure out how we're going to spend money and vote on how we're going to teach kids. And um, so, yeah, that's absolutely true. Of When everything is sort of smooth sailing, then that's fine. But now we actually need, we, we need, we need good government. We need good governance. Yeah. Um, and effective governance. Completely, completely. That's all for this week's 508. We welcome your questions and comments at pieandcoffee at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we never really do any commercial promotion on this program, but this week especially, I think we should say, hey, Brendan is down at Wooberry on Highland Street <laughs> selling ice cream online. Go buy some ice cream online and go down and uh, you can talk to Brendan from a, a, a safe distance. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, Mike, but I've actually been saying to all of my customers that come in, like, we'll be here as long as we can, but 
you know, don't come out on our behalf. Come out because you really need to get out of the house and you, you need some ice cream or whatnot. But uh, by all means, like, yeah, don't do anything. Don't, don't, don't let feeling bad for us or feeling the need to support local business get in the way of doing what's right for you and your family. There you go. There you go. Till next week, remember, Worcester, you can bench more than you think you can. Faster than a struggling turtle. More powerful than Gary Rosen. Oh, I can't believe that. Able to leap tall juggalos in a single bound. Look down on the ground. It's a germ. It's a worm. It's 508. Bursting from the subterranean depths of Wormtown like the mighty Shai Halud. It's 508. A show about Worcester.